Hot stove season across Major League Baseball as the winter meetings are now in full swing. But here in Chicago, as we've become too accustomed to in recent years, it's more of a lukewarm stove with the way <laughs> that the Cubs and White Sox have been operating so far. Um, we seem, It seems like there's some trends in the direction of maybe some moves coming up soon, Tyler, especially on your side of town on the north side, but just not a lot there yet, um, as maybe we had expected there would have been at this point. You can call me a very impatient fan. Um, I just want things to happen now, right away. But I know these these kind of things take time, but it's a huge offseason for the Cubs, and I don't want to see them get caught dragging their feet and lose out on an opportunity to get one of these big guys. Because right now, as you know, their biggest targets are mainly the shortstop market. And they're, and people are kind of so, – they're not surprised the Cubs are in on all of them, but like, there's not a lot of belief, at least among the league, actually, surprisingly, um, that the Cubs are actually going to be able to get one of these guys. I've, I saw, I actually saw a survey from some GMs in the league. Um, they, they, they surveyed 11 GMs in the league, and they said, okay, where do you think these four shortstops are all going to end up? And out of all the four shortstops, I think for Correa, one GM had him going to the Cubs. For Bogarts, two, G, two GMs had him go to the Cubs. For Swanson, one GM had him go to the Cubs, and then for Turner, doesn't matter anymore because he's gone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was zero actually. I don't think there. Were, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm thinking about the same yeah. one, I don't think they had anybody or nobody was projecting Turner to the Cubs. So. Yeah, nobody was. So I, that, yeah. I guess that's nothing lost. But yeah, yeah, I was kind of hoping the Cubs would come out and take the first swing, big swing in free agency. I wanted to see them like. People are like, okay, let's, I think the Cubs will wait for the first domino to fall. I want them, I wanted them to be the first domino. I wanted them to set the market. Um, and they lost out on that opportunity, but that's fine. As But as long as they're one of the next dominoes to fall, then I'll be satisfied. But right now, as it stands, things are moving a little slowly. It's all rumors. Like I've heard them connected to all three of these next guys coming in two days ago or even yesterday. Um we saw them connect strongly to Dansby Swanson coming into this morning. We heard Xander Bogarts is their top priority. Just tweeted five minutes ago by John Morosi. The Cubs just met with Carlos Correa today. So say what you want about Jed Hoyer, um, but, I mean, we have, at least he's keeping the smoke screen up. <laughs> we yeah. don't know what the heck's going on. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he's he's very active in the in the shortstop market, which is great. But that dude's got to – he's got to pull the trigger on one of these three guys, especially coming into this offseason. You can't – you can't come out of this offseason saying, well, we tried. Like, yeah. No, you can't. That, that the Cubs fans will not accept that. So hopefully they can get one of these guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a quote up on uh, my computer here from the beginning. Or at, I think uh, Ricketts had said at the end of the season, they said that the Cubs are going to be active in free agency and have the necessary resources available to substantially supplement our current roster. So I don't think uh, for the Cubs that just a major shortstop upgrade um, should just be sufficient for this team because I think that there are other holes that they could plug in. They have, like this quote says, they have the money to spend. They've had it for a couple seasons now since they trade away their old core um, members and they're looking to something new. This is the perfect opportunity yep. for that. I don't know exactly what those would be, Tyler. But uh, I guess my question to you as a Cubs fan would be, of the three remaining shortstops, which one do you think you would want the most on the Cubs? And mm -hmm. then would there be a difference between who you think is actually going to be the one 
the Cubs end up signing? Should they sign one of these these three, three yeah, big names? That's a great question. Um, the one I want on the Cubs out of all three that are remaining, honestly, I am okay with any of these three guys. I came into the season or came into this offseason saying if the Cubs can get any of these four shortstops, I will be a happy man. And even if it's Carlos Correa or Dansby Swanson or Xander Bogarts, I'm good with any of those guys, Any anybody in between. My personal opinion, I would love to see Carlos Correa on the Cubs. Yeah. I would. I mean, the dude's one of the best shortstops, the best shortstop in the game, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get a guy like that on your team to build around while these youngsters are coming up through the system, you know, you got Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis just got hurt, but he, he's coming up. Matt Mash Mervis, my man lefty, he's, 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 I'm excited to see him come up next year. If you can get a star that can be surrounded by young pieces, that, that can be your core moving forward. And it, I, does it vault them into World Series contention? Absolutely not. No, it, 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 signing one player like that or just signing a few isn't going to do it this year, but it'll make them a heck of a lot more fun to watch next year. And then, you know, in a, in a year, come the following year, a year later, like a couple of the prospects come up, a couple of the pitching prospects come up, then maybe we're talking, you know, being in contention, being right there. But right now it's just kind of focusing on next year. Carlos Correa, I would love to see. Now, who do I think are the Cubs going to sign? My gut says from just from the – I've heard them connected to all three so much. My gut says Xander Bogarts, and here's why. Um, Carlos Correa is – so what we just so we just saw Trey Turner sign an 11-year, $300 million deal. Now, for the 300 isn't as much as I'm focused on. I'm focused on 11 years. 11 years is a long time. Yeah. A long time. And – uh. I was surprised to see Trey Turner get that, and I think Carlos Correa is going to want something along those lines. I don't see him going less than 10, 9 years. And the Cubs have been very adamant about having a shorter-term deal with a higher salary rate. So um, more like 5, 6 years, but instead of an a- annual average of $27 million, they're offering you know 33 or something like that. They're, they're offering a little more money up front, um, but they're shortening the years. So I could see Correa being ruled out because he's going to want too many years. Now, Dansby Swanson is one that's very realistic, and I can see I can see the Cubs going after him, but I think they're going to covet Bogarts more because he's more higher. What's the word? More, more, more held in more high esteem uh, than Dansby Swanson, even though Dansby Swanson is a darn good shortstop. Um, and I think he could be more affordable because he's thirty years old. He's the oldest one out of all three. He's not old by any means, but thirty years old is the oldest one. Um, so he would attain a shorter deal. I could see him taking a six-year deal. And if you get him six years, I haven't done the math. Hold on. Forgive me. Six years, 140? I was going to say 160. Yeah, even 160 over, uh, hold on, 160 over six years is like, yeah, like 26 million a year. Like that's, that's about what, um, uh, Turner got. So, I mean, if Bogarts wants more, heck, if he wants just like two, three million dollars more, I think they would give it to him. Like yeah. give him, give him twenty eight, twenty nine million a year. That's times six. That's like one hundred seventy million a year. I don't. I think they would do that. So I think Bogarts is the most realistic option that's most appealing to the fan base, and I think I think that would make the fan base happy. It would appease them, and it would also just help the team overall. So yeah, I'll take. And he's a great leader. I mean, he's a winner. He's he's been on several World Series winning teams. He's been. Apart, he's, he has a strong connection to David Ross. It was just reported a couple hours ago that John Lester has been selling him hard on playing in the fans in front of Wrigley Field, um, which, heck, that John Lester signing. If that if, if Bogarts comes to Chicago, that John Lester signing is one of the best signings we ever made. So, um, cause <laughs> even, yeah, even so, still paying off. <laughs> still paying off. That's what I love. But, yeah, and Mike Nap- so Mike Napoli, David Ross, 
uh, John Lester. There's so much connections from the Red Sox that he knows that's, that could draw him to Chicago. Um, so, yeah, my gut says Xander Bogarts. I want Carlos Correa. I'm fine with any of those three. But, Jed, you got to get off your butt and do something, man, because I'm not about to sit here and – Watch Elvis Andrews play second base. No offense, Sox fans. Uh, watch no, Elvis Andrews play second him. base, like or some or another infield spot. Like we got to go get one of these star guys. Yeah, I I just pulled up the 2022 stats for the three remaining shortstops that the Cubs are prioritizing here, and their stats are relatively similar, at least in the wins above replacement yeah. category. Dansby Swanson posted a 5.7 WAR. Carlos Correa posted a 5.4 WAR, and Xander Bogarts actually popped them up. Top them all at a uh, 5.8 war. Um, the OPS plus um, Carlos Correa expectedly became, you know, he was the the top there with a posting a 140 OPS plus. And Carlos Correa, I feel like maybe it was the fact that he was on the Twins last season and they were expected to be better than they ended up being. But he went about his business pretty quietly, but still had a pretty solid year. He batted 291, 22 homers, slashed 366, 467. 830 or 834 OPS. Mm. Um, those are all stellar numbers. And I feel like you just didn't hear much about him just because of maybe the market that market that he was in. Um, but I mean, yeah, you take any of those players with those stats and you put them on the Cubs right now. I mean, that's an immediate upgrade that, you know, I don't want to call the NL central wide open because I still feel like the Cardinals are yeah. top of that division. Um, but I mean, if the Cubs were to get a guy like Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Daisy Swanson, that puts them, closer to that to that state of what the Cardinals are putting out in the field right now, which is a overall a pretty good roster that they still got. But. Yeah, when watching the Cubs play last year against the other NL Central division, I thought um, against everybody else besides the Cardinals, it was, it was like it was, it was very apparent that the Cubs were not on the Cardinals level. I'm mm-hmm. very I'm very aware of that. Um, but like the Brewers and the Pirates and the Reds, they actually had a winning record or five five hundred or better against all three of those teams. It's just the Cardinals they had a terrible record against. So like if if they could just make some type of just not even just that one move, but a, a couple moves to upgrade this roster, they can get into that level where they can compete with the Cardinals yeah. for the NL Central. I'm not I'm not saying, oh my gosh, gosh, we're gonna go get Korea and we're gonna go get a few more. We're automatically gonna win this division. But I think we could put ourselves into a contention where maybe we can win 85 or 85 or 90 some wins. Like who knows? Like, but that, that's a big jump from the 77. Don't get me wrong. Like the win all, all of a sudden win 90 games, but I think that's possible with the right signings with the, with everybody clicking um, and everything coming together. But yeah, I would say I, the NL central, I, I agree. It's not wide open because it's the Cardinals division to lose, but uh, the Brewers have become more of a selling team. The pirates are still young, but they're growing and the yep. reds, yeah, the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just so I look at the Cubs and I kind of look at it as almost a tale of two seasons, first half to second half last year, because I mean, heck, the Cubs and White Sox records were only what six or seven games apart on a year where the White Sox were supposed to be World Series contenders, and then the Cubs ended up in the second half having a a better record than the White Sox did overall, which I think as a Cubs fan, you walk away from that feeling really, really good, where at least the direction that you're in. Because now, okay, they've, they've proven that they can gel together as a team. David Ross, I think, has done a really good job getting his guys up to play. I think he's done a good job in the player development aspect so far from the time that he's been in Chicago, um, at least from a White Sox point of view. But then I look at a te- at these teams out east that are competing for World Series, and there's going to be a question that I, I pose for, for you, Tyler, out of this. But I look at teams like the, the Mets today mm-hmm. that just went out and they signed Justin Verlander. 
um, to a two-year, I want to say, $86, 86, million, $86 dollar deal. million dollar deal. <laughs> so there's a team, and Cohen has made it obvious out there that they're going to spend, they're, they're in it to win it. Like, they're going to spend every single year. You look at their their team now, I know they just lost Jacob DeGrom going to the Rangers, which was a, a sh- I know people were predicting that the Rangers were going to go out and spend on a couple, uh, a guy like him. Yeah. But I wasn't really expecting that. But now, okay, so you lose DeGrom, who do you go out and get? The reigning AL Cy Young winner. And now they're paying, pairing him with Max Scherzer out there in the Mets. And then I look at Philadelphia, like we talked about, descending Trey Turner. They are not, they were less, I would say, than a Trey Turner away from winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. But what do they do? They get to the World Series. They already have a lot of money committed to Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, yeah. uh, Zach Wheeler. What do they do? Go spend $300 million more on a shortstop to help their chances. Like, that is what I would wish that our teams, Tyler, were more expected to do. 100%. And, but my question is now, other than those four shortstops, um, or three shortstops now that the Cubs are targeting, what else, and I'm not necessarily yeah. meaning players that are still on the market, um, what other holes do you think the Cubs should be addressing or looking to address as we as we move throughout these these GM meetings and the winter meetings? Yeah, it's um, that's a great question. I say 100% center field. Yep. That's been a huge, it's a huge hole. Even Jed Hoyer or David, I think, no, David Ross came out and said, we left's covered, right's covered, center's wide open. Like, yep. And that's that's what the players the players need to take advantage of that, those that are looking for a roster spot. But uh, Jed Hoyer said, you know, that spot is most likely going to come, for that replacement is most likely, most likely going to come from the outside. So I could see them going after, they've been connected to Cody Bellinger, which would be really cool on a one-year prove-it deal for him. Um, just while Pete Armstrong's getting his feet wet down in the system. Um, you can get Kevin Kiermeyer for a two-year deal. Is he a great bat? No, no, nah, but he's but he's a very solid defensive center fielder, like a very good defensive center fielder um, who could fill up that hole because the defense from center field last year for the Cubs was one of the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. If, when you look it up, there was just the ground that was covered in center field by by whoever we put there. It was Whether it was uh, – I mean, Christopher Morrell was okay. He was better when he had his back going, but in the field he just he just didn't cover as much ground as, as you need to in the center field. So that's one hole. Yep. Another hole – um, is the one left by our former captain, and I will miss him dearly, uh, Wilson Contreras. Uh, Jan, like, Jan Gomes is a fine backup catcher, but I don't just need to see him behind the plate for 162 next year. Um, I could see them going after a guy. They've been connected to Christian Vasquez um, of the Astros. We might be doing a quick switch with uh, the Astros, and they take Contreras, yeah. we take Vasquez, which, you know what, I'd, if we end up one of the big free agent store stops, that's fine. And then I would say... I'm not going to get my hopes up and say top of the rotation starter because that's hard to, even though, like you just said, it should be expected. Yeah. They're not going to do that. I think, I think, I think a middle of the rotation starter and then rolling into the next season, next season with guys like, you know, Stroman, Steele, and then maybe a middle of the rotation starter, Hayden Wisniewski, yep. Keegan Thompson could make, make his way in there. Um, just different guys like that. Oh my goodness, am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing a starter. Hold on. <laughs> I just know that Wisniewski has got some nasty stuff. Kyle I Hendricks. Don't... Oh my goodness, I forgot about Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> Kyle Hendricks should be like our number five, four or five starter, though. which is, is fine. Yeah. I, I mean, he's not what he once was. But if you plug him, that's how I look at some of the guys in the white. If you plug them into the fifth spot, and that's your fifth guy, a guy like Kyle Hendricks, yeah. if they, that's if a they, good sign. If they roll, if the Cubs roll next year with Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, and then some middle rotation guy that they sign. Kyle Hendricks and Hayden Wisniewski with Keegan Thompson and, you know, Rowan Wick off the bench or out of the pen with uh, Mark Leiter Jr., Brandon Hughes, uh, Eric Hume. Like, there's a bunch of guys out there uh, so that the Cubs are feeling good. But they could use a middle rotation starter, a starting center fielder, a starting catcher, and a hole that I would like to address, but I don't think we're going to 
because Patrick Wisdom is fine as starting third baseman. So, um, yep, there's still a lot to plug. <laughs> now, that I, now that I say it all, all of it out loud, but focus on the star power right now. Don't focus too much on the holes because we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I was expecting, because I heard a little bit more as the season was coming to an end, but I thought Carlos Rodon was going to be a good fit for the Cubs. I haven't heard much haven't heard on chatter. that front. Yeah, I, but in, to be fair, I guess I haven't really heard much in general about Carlos Rodon. I thought, and we'll get to the White Sox here in a little bit, but yeah. maybe the White Sox take a look at bringing him back. But after they let him go, I know that's just a, a pipe dream for that. But yeah, I, I mean, I just I know that the Cubs have the money, and I I I get where maybe Jed would be coming from that he doesn't want to spend it all at once because yeah. Like we know, it's a young Cubs team that's up and coming. Maybe now is not the time to spend everything. But to our point, and we've been saying it now the entire podcast, they need to get one of these shortstop guys because this is the prime market. And like you tweeted today, it's a franchise-defining moment in the offseason for them to get one of these guys and prove that they're still at that with that mindset. They're going to go spend. They're going to go get their guy to give to the Wrigley faithful because they've been deserving that now um, for the past couple seasons, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to get a get a guy like someone like that. And one other thing I would address of this offseason, and this is to be done after the free agency additions, is I would reward your players and extend some of them that have been here for a little while. And by that, I mean Nico Horner. 100% you locked that, that, that kid up. Yep. Um, and one surprising rumor that I heard coming out of out of the season was Ian Happ. Where they were talk, they might be talking extension with him, which pleasantly surprised me because he is a very good left center, left left center field, left fielder. Uh, he's gold, gold glove winner this year. Like he was, he's improved a ton. His bat has become reliable on both sides of the plate this year. Like he's somebody. If you want to lock up your left fielder long term, twenty eight years old, done. Like yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Am I sold on uh, Seiya Suzuki and right? No, I'm not. But I'm sold on my left fielder. So go resign my left fielder. Go resign my, you know, Nico Horner. I was gonna say shortstop, but I don't know if he's gonna be shortstop <laughs> next year. But my infielder, and let's, uh, and then let's make some free agency, free agency signings, and then let's roll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna happen. I think the Cubs will make some splashes this off season. I think the Cubs fans are gonna be very happy with. And then we're gonna have to see it on the field because I think there's a chance that this Cubs team can be. Much improved um, yep. going into 2023. but Currently just refreshing my Twitter all the time. That's all maybe doing. see you. Maybe we'll see some breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> you <tonight>. never know. <laughs> so I'll, I'll switch um, gears here a little bit, Tyler, and we yep. can go look to, to the other side of town with Let's... the White Sox. Um, a lot has happened so far, um, maybe not, in the clubhouse, we can say, mm-hmm. with the White Sox so far this offseason that we have not addressed, and also a lot that's happened on the field, on, on, on the rosters. But... First off, um, White Sox had a much-needed change at their managerial position, um, letting go of Tony La Russa, who unfortunately um, went out poorly uh, with his performance and his decision-making, but also the health problems that he was going through towards the end of the season. So, yeah, obviously, it was a it was time for a change. And Pedro Grafal, which um, everything that I've seen with him so far sounds really good, Um but the White Sox are not at a point right now where sounding good um, can be gr- good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to see the, the results, and he needs to be able to come in here quickly and bring the best out of these guys that have underperformed, um, this, specifically this past season. But, you know, an overhaul of the managerial position and an overhaul of the some of the spots, you know, bench and mm-hmm. uh, the hitting coach, like that was maybe the more necessary change was they need to get a new hitting coach in here. Um because it just what the way that they their plate approach last season was 
terrible. Yep. Like they needed an, a major upgrade there and they got it. But um, so that's almost what I am most excited for um, this coming season, more so than the additions that they make in the off season, um, because they need somebody there to really step in and get these guys like Yohan Mankata yep. um, and, you know, even like Luis Robert guys that, you know, are talented and are, have been top prospects in ML in major league baseball that we just haven't seen enough of yet. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Tyler to me that he's the guy that can come in here and reach those guys. Cause he's been around winning teams and he's very highly regarded. But. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to know everything about Pedro Grifold, but um, he was a guy that stuck around an organization for what a decade. And he survived two managerial regimes, which when you survive a managerial regime, like a change of, of managers, it goes to show that you are a very trusted voice. You're a very smart voice. Um, and the fact that he's with the same organization for a decade, I'm sure he's very respected by those players. And he's a very respected name around the league from what I've read. Like, yeah. so that's great. So like to get a respected voice that players are going to be like, Oh, okay. Like I, I can get, I can get behind this guy. I think that's something that the White Sox were desperately looking for. And uh, that's, that's a huge plus. Um, as for like, the guys you you mentioned, like for the future, like I mean, it was it was a weird season for the Sox last year. Yeah, it was odd. But they but you still got a bunch of youngsters, a young up and coming core that are here now. Actually, they're not up and coming; they're here. They've mm-hmm. arrived. They just they just they just struggled last year. But that's not a lot. The performances of a lot of these guys last year just wasn't what they were. So hopefully, the hitting coach that you said they just hired uh, can resonate with these guys. The message that he sends can turn turn his yeah turn some of those stats around. But like, I wouldn't give up on guys just yet. Like, I, I wouldn't give up on Yohan Moncada. I mean, I'm not a Sox fan, but that's I mean, the dude was number one prospect of baseball at one yeah. point. Like he's 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 got talent. Um. And you got guys like Luis Robert, who's supposed to be the next, you know, like face of baseball, or Eloy Jimenez. I don't want to talk about him. Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but like, you got so much talent. Like, you can't, yeah, there's not time to abandon ship just yet for the Sox. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so, first off, the, the first guy that they uh, signed this offseason was Mike Clevenger. Um, mm-hmm. He was a guy that. I know White Sox fans remember well because he had some really, really good seasons um, in Cleveland, um, and he routinely shoved um, against the White Sox. If I look back at the stats for uh, a three-year stretch between 2017 and 2019, where he posted ERAs of 3.11, 3.02, and 2.71, um, putting up a, a fair amount of innings pitched in every season, um, and you know, very uh, pretty good strikeout rate. Um, in 2018, he had 207 strikeouts. 2019, which I know is remembered as his maybe last prime year. He had uh, 169 strikeouts, but he's had good seasons since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this past season in San Diego was a little bit of a down year for him. Um, so, But I understand why the White Sox were in on him, and I actually don't hate the deal. Uh, you know, I saw on Twitter a lot of White Sox fans were complaining about the, the $8 million to- and then I think there's a $4 million incentive structure built into his contract, but that is the starting pitching starting pitcher market in baseball these days. Yep. You're getting guys that you may have never heard of before they're getting ten million dollars on their own. So I think that was a good signing for the White Sox. Um, especially going back to our, our conversation about the Cubs where if you can pl- plug a guy like Mike Clevenger in towards the bottom of your rotation and he gets back to this form that we know that he can't pitch at. And he's not it's not like he's a uh, a guy that's nearing the you know the 
the dawn of or the dusk of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be 32 next season. That's not. I mean, Lance Lynn is 35, 36 years old, and he's still pitching out of his mind for the White Sox. Exactly. With Justin, I mean, this, this is a rare one, but Justin Verlander. How right. Yeah. Now? Exactly. Like, exactly. Guys are pitching later into their careers now. They are. They are. So, I mean, if you can go into next season, you know, you know, you have a, a Cy Young caliber top of the line guy in Dylan Cease. You would think that Michael Kopech is going to be on a similar. Maybe not to the same extent as Dylan Cease, that meteoric rise, but he's a young guy that has great stuff. If you can mm-hmm. just harness the consistency and you can be a number two guy, you have your one-two punch at the starting rotation. Lucas Giolito had a really bad year last season. I don't know where the White Sox currently stand on him. I've seen his name thrown around in a lot of trade rumors, um, and I think that maybe the Mike Clevenger deal maybe gives the White Sox a little bit more room to work if they want to maybe look at Giolito on the market. But he's been great the past three seasons before that. So are you really ready to give up on him after one down year? If, if he's your 4-5, man. Right, right. <laughs> Giolito 4-5 is really good. Yeah, I mean, he's been the opening day starter for the last three seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, if he has to fall down to 4 or 5 and he can be that guy, that's fantastic. So I actually am pretty optimistic when it comes to the White Sox pitching rotation next year. I don't think that that necessarily needs to be a priority now after the Clevenger signing. That's yet to be seen. But now I want to get to the board the the needs really need to to be met here. And I I give Rick Hahn a lot of credit um, for the way that he's built this roster. I don't think that it was necessarily his choice and his decision to not be able to complement the guys that he was the young core that he's built with the guys around him that teams need to win. I think that was more a product of having Jerry Reinsdorf as your owner and not mm-hmm. willing to pass those checks across the table to you and say, hey, go get this guy for me. He's going to help us. He's going to push us over the top. But I think that, you know, now you look at the way that Rick Hahn then built that roster with, you know, Gavin Sheets. He's a good guy. Off, he's a good bat off the bench. He's pretty light. He's a liability on defense. You had Andrew Vaughn playing in the outfield. And, you know, now he's going to be taking it. This is the thing I want to get into most, though, is that the White Sox just let Jose Abreu walk. I was going to ask you about that. Yes. I don't think it was the wrong decision because that is Andrew Vaughn's spot for the next 10 years, you would hope. Mm-hmm. But still, it's very big shoes to fill. That being said, I think that was necessary because it gets another one of these first basemen out the door that you really needed to open up a spot for the White Sox to be able to go get another guy. Because the two most glaring needs on this team are second base and right field. Mm-hmm. And this is all another product of not being able to capitalize on getting a guy like Bryce Harper a couple of years ago when the White Sox ran on him. Like he, I all, I think every day about how perfect of a fit he was a left-handed power bat, right fielder, great defense. Like that was what the White Sox needed and they still haven't recovered from that. But I haven't seen the White Sox and maybe you have Tyler. I haven't seen anything about them being in on any big name guys for those two positions. I really don't know what they're going to be doing with that. It doesn't sound like, yeah, spending through free agency is going to be their way of improving this team. It sounds like, I don't know, either via trade. I yep. can see that. I can see that being a more realistic option. Look up for some star, either a star or just some contributor through trade market. But yeah. um, just from what I've read, and I'm, I haven't followed as closely as you in terms of White Sox, right. but like it seems like they won't be as, I, I don't know, like you won't see as many big moves. No. You know, is, that, is that fair to say? That's fair I mean, to say. Yeah. I think because they're counting on guys – pretty much everybody bouncing back from last season because you had guys either hurt or having career worst seasons last year for the White Sox. And they still, that's the, maybe that's the silver lining is you had such poor performance across the board for the White Sox this past season. And they still finished with 81 wins. 
I think that yeah. it would have to go really poorly for them to get to that. I, they should be a 90-win team next season. Oh, yeah. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that. But that is really going to be dependent on guys like Jan Mankata stepping up, Tim Anderson staying healthy, Aloy Jimenez staying healthy, Luis Robert staying healthy and getting back to the level that he's been at the past couple seasons before that. So it's really going to be an in-house change. Now, on the Jose Abreu front, I think what this roster needed was a shakeup. Maybe mm-hmm. not in like a grand terms blow it up type deal. But they needed maybe a new voice in that locker room. And that's not to say Jose Ray wasn't a good voice because he was the leader of the team. And he came in every single day, did his job. He never missed games. And, you know, he was the face of the franchise for basically a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that's gonna, that torch needs to be passed to somebody else. And whether it's a Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, these, some of these younger guys that you know can be stars in this league, but just haven't been able to get to that level consistently yet. But that's where you really focus on Pedro Grafal, um, getting in there and reaching them to a point where Tony La Russa couldn't. And I think that's just because Tony La Russa was not able to connect with the new era of baseball. I just yeah. think that no. the White Sox took a major step backward at the time of the Tony La Russa hiring. And I think now is the time where they're like, oh, shoot, you know, we're in the middle of our window. And now we need to expedite that process because that window, what which at one point was opening, is now close to close it's not closed by any means but it's not like it's still opening for them like they need to get on it now Mm -hmm. and they need to get on it fast because you know these guys aren't going to be here forever they got a lot of guys locked up long term but it's not like this team is just going to be the way it is for for a long time so yeah no absolutely and do you have any i mean as a Sox fan you said you haven't heard many rumors or anything like that Do, do you have any names in mind do you have any names i mean who do you want to, to be your big takeaway this offseason? Do you want another Elvis Andrews to come take away? Do you want, like, who, like for real, like, who, who do you want to see fill those holes that you just mentioned? Second base or, like, because obviously yeah. you had Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison, Josh Harrison like, last he, season. He tried to fill in. He wasn't the greatest fill in. Like, is there replacements out there, you think, just second base-wise that can be or, or outfield that you feel like can fill that hole? Yeah, I mean, I think – just based on some of the names that I've seen so far, I thought the White Sox maybe were going to be in on a guy like Cody Bellinger, who we know can play in the outfield, and he's a left-handed bat that, I mean, he was, what, National League MVP just a couple seasons ago? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think he's that player anymore, but we'll see what happens. I know the White Sox have been in on Gene Secura for a little while. I know Colton Wong was thrown around for a little bit. Obviously, that's not going to be a thing anymore. And then the the thing that I would do in a heartbeat, the the rumor that I saw was that you'd trade – Lucas Giolito for Brandon Lowe from Tampa Bay. I mm. don't know why the Rays would pull the trigger on that trade, and I don't think it's going to happen. But if I were presented with that trade opportunity, I'd make it in a heartbeat because yeah. that is more – I mean, you gotta you got to trade from a position of strength to address other positions of weakness. And weakness uh, second base has been a weakness for this White Sox team for years. For yeah. 10 years, they haven't been able to fill that spot. So – um, I really don't know who it's going to be in right field. I think that the, what is going to end up happening is that the White Sox are going to fill right field within their system. Oscar Colas is coming through the system. Yep. He had a great year um, in the minor leagues last season. I don't think he's going to be the opening day right fielder, but I think they'll get a guy to plug in in that spot, and then eventually uh, Oscar Colas is going to take over. Do I love that? I know. Do I love that strategy? No, but I I do know that they need to get somebody out there, and Oscar Colas might be as good as a, a bet a, a bet as anybody else. And, but and you may never know. Like the Sox, 
you know, plug whoever, okay? Like maybe not yeah. some big name or maybe not some like super impactful person, but maybe they get off to a hot start. Maybe yeah. they, you know, like, like, we're, like we're projecting and like they play like the team that they are because they are a one of the more talented teams in the MLB. And heck, they were heck, they were projected to go to the World Series last yeah. year by Sports Illustrated. Like that, that, they're that type of caliber team. Yeah. So let's say they jump out to that big league, maybe. I mean, it's going to be a while, but maybe you address that at the trade deadline. Finally, maybe, maybe because this past year the Sox didn't really make any moves to the trade deadline, and it was like, it was kind of yeah. like the management was like, you know what, we're just going to fold on the season. That's kind of how it felt. It felt like you that, know? yeah. Well, maybe, or maybe they're, they're like, but they came out with the message, we're trusting in the turnaround. But maybe, right, if it turns around this upcoming year and like they get really hot and they're, you know, they're top of the division, then they buy in and then they go fill those holes through trade deadline. That, that could be, that could be, yeah. Yeah, and the way that I, and this is kind of my my closing thoughts on the White Sox, is that I, in my perfect world, and this is going to, a lot of White Sox fans that would hear something like this might think, that guy does not deserve to be a White Sox fan. What is he thinking? But I think to really shake up the roster, and because they just, they've had this core now for a number of years, and they've won one playoff game. Mm -hmm. So clearly, maybe these guys aren't all going to be a part of, hopefully, the next White Sox winning team. I would look towards the left side of the infield of the White Sox and maybe look to deal one of those guys. Either Yohan Mankata, but I don't think they will because they'd be selling low on him. But I would look at a guy like Tim Anderson. And people are not going to like that. I get it because they think, you know, this is he's the captain now that Abreu's gone. He's been the face of the fran you know, the second face of the franchise. Wow. He's the whole he embodies the change the game, the mentality that the White Sox have had. Yeah. You know, the bat flipping and like the you know, just the swagger that he has with him. You know, you think back to the Field of Dreams game where he hit the walk-off home run. Yep. Like he was the star of the White Sox team. But in my perfect world, this is just not reality. It's just completely theoretical. I would trade Tim Anderson and I would sign Carlos Correa because you will get a, a glove that's light years ahead of Tim Anderson. Mm -hmm. Not that he's a terrible defensive shortstop, but Carlos Correa is going to do things at shortstop that Tim Anderson just can't. We yeah. just, based on, you know, they're actually pretty similar in age too, if not the same. So, and you know, you're going to get more out of, you're going to get not, maybe not, maybe more is the wrong way to put it in regards to offense, but you're going to get a bigger all around bat in Carlos Correa. Okay. You're going to get more power. You're going to get obviously more slugging. That being said, I don't think that will happen, but that is something that I, I would look into if I were the GM, but yeah, that's, that that's shocks a, me. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. that's, and I love Tim Anderson. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want Tim Anderson to leave. But that's something that I would look into if I had my hands on that <laughs> I mean, front office there. I guess now that you say it, like, I, I, I get it. I, but at the same time, man, Tim Anderson, like, he's just been he's been with that franchise for so long. I, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't even picture him in another uniform. I, I don't know. He's the only draft pick, I want to say, in, like, the last however many years it's actually, like, <laughs> worked the way up yeah. through the system and become, like, a solidified star. Everybody else has been via the trade market or free agent free agent signings if you want to call it even that, as a but. cubs fan i've always had immense respect for tim anderson i always yeah. thought he's so like i don't know just a very good representation of not only just the white Sox but chicago in general like yeah. just the way he's worked his way up and the way he's like you just said works way, way up through the system and has just he just i don't know just feel that blue collar mentality he does tim anderson and he exemplifies the city very well so that would be but i mean drastic times call for drastic measures you yeah something yeah else, it was always fun in those years um because we all when the white Sox and cubs both had really good players at their respective positions. You know, you had uh, like Jose Abreu versus Anthony Rizzo at first base. You had Yohan Mikata versus Chris Bryant at third base. You had yeah. Javi Baez versus uh, Tim Anderson at shortstop. Those were always really fun debates to have. 
Um, and you saw the Cubs were not afraid to move off of some of those guys. And I know that they were in different positions as organizations, but I, you know, something has to change for this White Sox team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that's going to take place, but it would something that I would inquire about at least. Let's, so we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, I, it's weird because I feel like we're going to have more baseball to talk mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. We're just getting the, the ball is just getting rolling right now. I feel like in the off season, now you're starting to see some guys sign places, some big money contracts being thrown around. And hopefully we're going to have some of those names being given to our Chicago teams, but that's yet to be seen. So we'll see. yeah, as the winter meetings progress, we will keep a close eye on Twitter. We will be refreshing constantly <laughs> seeing what happens, but uh, we'll sign off now. We'll let uh, Jed Hoyer and uh, Rick Hahn get back to work, hopefully, and uh, hopefully see some some better baseball, uh, at least on the White Sox part than we saw. Hopefully both sides of town. Hopefully both <laughs> sides of town can make the improvements to get back to where they should be. So uh, that'll be all for now. Uh, we'll be back. Justin Fields talk soon, as yeah. we've seen him uh, continue to get better and grow. But we'll sign off now. Be back soon. More content with Lakeshore Sports. 